That's incredible. Hey, kids, you are dismissed to Children's Church, and you guys have a great time together. They are awesome, and you're going to get a chance to bless them in just a little bit. Um, he threw me that softball right up in the air. We're going to talk about tithing today. It fits in just like a glove. God's just amazing like that. Open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 12. As we dismiss our children, you guys have a, a great children's church. We're going to talk about what it means to have a thankful heart. When we come to tithing sermons and we talk about giving, some of you, may, as soon as I said we're talking about tithing, you turned it off. You said, no, he's not talking to me. Um, tithing is, is unique because we serve God of all wonders. We serve God who, who owns every cattle on every hill ever. And yet we come to the church and all of a sudden the church says, we need you to partner with us so that we can further the gospel. It's amazing to me that God uses his church to finance his ministry. It's amazing because God can do it all by himself. If, if you're sitting here today thinking, thinking we're begging you that God somehow needs your money, you're, you're completely wrong. Completely wrong. God doesn't need your money. God's asked you to be a part of ministry. God's given you the invitation to allow your sacrificial giving to change the nations. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go with me to Mark chapter 12. I want to back up. It says verse 41. I want to back up to verse 38 in Mark chapter 12. It says, and in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace. And they have the best seats in the synagogue, in the place of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers, for they receive the greater condemnation. It says, And he, Jesus, he sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins that make a penny. He called his disciples to him, and he said to him, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Jesus is here and he's teaching us. He's in the climax of his gospel. He's in the climax of, of, of what, it, what he's doing and, and he's turning his attention to himself and he's He's pointing that he is the son of man. He's pointing to the reality that he is, he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is the God who provides. He is God Almighty. He is good. He's showing us over and over about how wonderful he is. And yet he comes here and he tells his bride, he says, be leery of those prideful religious people. Be leery of them. Be leery of them. They're pompous. You know you can be religious and not be a believer. You're looking at me like a calf at a new gate. You can be religious and be wrong. You can do the right thing. You can even come to church. Do you know you can even have your name in a membership role somewhere? You can come to Sunday school. And if Christ has never ransomed your heart, 
If Christ has never redeemed you, then you're no more saved than the lost paying out in the bar. There's, there's no difference. But what Jesus is going to get at today, and what I beg and what I've been praying all week is that we would grasp, is, is God is less concerned with your outward appearance, and he's much more concerned with your heart. He's much more concerned with your heart. Because we can dress it up. We can, put on, we can put on the suit and tie. In fact, I catch flack all the time because I don't wear the whole suit and tie thing. And I catch flack. You know, well, my preacher dressed up with a suit and tie. Yeah, he did. But I don't think, I know we, we bring the Lord our best. But I, I believe Jesus is going to be much more concerned with our internal best than he is our external best. He's much more concerned with our heart because you can dress it up. And, and we, you've done this. Maybe this was your ride to church this morning where you got up and you got the kids dressed and you never could keep their shoes on. And they get in the car and the shoes are bouncing off the window and you're running late because you got up late and you're screaming at each other and you're having a fight with your spouse. And all of a sudden we, we pull into the parking lot and it's, it's World War III in your minivan and you get out and people look at you like, how you doing? We're blessed. <laughs> We're blessed. God's all over us. We spend so much time being focused on how we look externally and we rarely take inventory of how we are living internally. And the heart of giving to the Lord is not an outward thing. You know, I don't have a clue who in this church tithes. I don't have it. So if you, if you think he's after me because he knows I don't tithe, you're dead wrong. I don't have a clue. I don't look at the books. I can't even log in to that computer because I don't care. It's not, it's not for me to know how much you give. I know how much my wife and I give. I know how, how our faithfulness is, and I know what, where we're at as a couple and how we're, how we're giving to the kingdom. But I don't know how much you are. But you do. And God does. We're giving today with a thankful heart. I want you to realize as we look at this text that Jesus sees what we give. Now, it's ironic. Jesus is sitting down and he's, he, he has just kind of put the scribes in place. and he, he, be, be mindful of those lofty religious people, those who, who we're going to call the Facebook posters. You know what I'm talking about? The people that don't live like Christ at all, but their Facebook feed shows that they do. That's who, don't, don't look like those. Just because someone claims religion doesn't mean they're true. Uh, he says, don't, don't look at them. But he sits down and he, he's watching people. And it's ironic. Jesus could have walked in the synagogue and owned the place. He's sitting outside watching people give. And he watches people walk by and they put, in, they put in just sacks of coins. They put in great sums of money. But this widow comes by. And she drops two little copper coins. It was, for all intents and purposes, it was a worthless offering. Those two pennies... Are those two coins that equaled a penny didn't pay the light bill? They didn't pay the temple master? They didn't pay the choir teacher? Those two little coins, when you looked at it from a budget standpoint, didn't progress anything. But God never called us to be the ones who are so focused with progressing that, that we have to give large sums. He's called us to be faithful. Cause be faithful. Now, if God's blessed you and you can give those great sums, He says, give them. But here comes this, this widow. And, and remember what we're talking about. We're talking first century Jerusalem to where a, a woman was seen as a product of a man. 
The scriptures have told us that this woman, and we're going to see her again in the scriptures later on in Mark, but this, this woman is a widow. She, she's lost her husband, and she's completely broke. She has zero standing in the community. In first century Jerusalem, you were seen as, as your respect was based off of your husband and the fact that she didn't have a husband, that he had, he had been deceased. She was helpless and hopeless. In fact, if she were to walk in today, I would probably encourage her not to give it all. Ma'am, you, you're going to need all the money you can have. Your plot is huge stacked against you. I would be very concerned for her. We would be taking up offerings for this type of person. And yet, here we have, as she comes and she puts her two pennies, and Jesus sees what she gives. Can I tell you today, Jesus sees what you're giving? Remember what the Gospel of Matthew teaches us. It teaches us that, that where our heart is, there our treasure is well. Where our heart is, that's our treasure too. So if you've been saving for that new bass boat and you're not being gracious with your money because that's what you're after, then you, you, your heart's not consecrated to the Lord. It's consecrated to Bass Pro Shop. If you've been after that new purse and, oh, you just can't wait to get it and you've been stacking them $20 bills and you're just excited and your heart's not consecrated to the things of the Lord and it's consecrated to Macy's. Christ knows what we're giving and he sees what we're giving. Some give a lot because they have a lot. You ever wonder why some people are blessed better than you? You ever wonder why some people have more money than you? Now, keeping up with the Joneses can be an exhaustive thing. I, I look and, and I, there's people and there, there's pastors and I look and they, they're driving brand new trucks and, and, and brand new boats and their golf clubs are better than mine. And I'm like, Lord, come on now. I'm in the trench just like they are. Throw a brother of Benjamin every once in a while. Some give a lot because God's blessed them that way. Some, give, some, some have a lot because, because God's blessed them. And some gave a lot because they're, they're in abundance. But some give all they had even though it's little. Some give all they had even though it's little. I always, every time I preach on tithe, I know one of you is going to send me an email tomorrow. And that email is going to be something like, well, the New Testament doesn't specifically call us to tithe. And you would be correct. The New Testament doesn't. I would argue that this text is the mandate of it. And where we get caught in 10%, we, some people are telling me it's not 10% gross, and I would argue that yes, it is. The New Testament standard is not that you give 10%. The New Testament standard is that you give it all. You give it all. That We lay everything down. Remember what Jesus told to the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came up to Jesus and he said, he says, Rabbi, what must I do to be saved? Jesus knew he had a lot of wealth. Jesus knows you have a lot of wealth. He looked at him and he said, go sell off everything you own. Everything you own. Give the money to the poor and follow me. It says in the scriptures, that rich man went away and he was discouraged and he was disappointed. Why? Not because he didn't know who to give the money to. Not because he didn't know how to sell it all or because he was going to have to start a, a for sale business. He was upset because he had a lot of stuff that he was unwilling to let go of. His treasure wasn't standing before him. His treasure was all that he had in his bank account. Listen to me. If you spend more time worrying about your 401k than you do Matthew 28, you've got a big problem. You've got a big problem. We're not, we're not building kingdoms here. Remember, your house will fail. If you own a house, you own trouble. If you own a house, you've got problems. 
The roof will leak, windows will leak. Somebody might kick the door in and steal everything you have. Our treasure's not here. We've never been established, built a comfortable kingdom here. It's always been there. So Jesus sees what they were giving. But not only did Jesus see what they were giving, Jesus saw why they were giving. Why they were giving. Here we have the scribes, and the scribes were there, and they would come in with their, their big money back because they were some of the wealthiest people of the day. They would come in, and they, they would drop their money. And I, I just imagine, I'm kind of a visual learner, I just imagine the scribes coming in, and they kind of hold that bag up a little higher so that when they, when they dropped it down into that, that metal basket there, that, that you would hear the big clang when the change hit it and almost to, to point to their piety and, and point to their status in, in their culture. Look how much we've got and, 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 all, of, and all of that is self-driving. I was in a building program at a church I was on staff at and, and we were getting closer and closer to paying off the debt and we had a guy come into a staff meeting we were sitting in and and he said, well listen, he said, I want to give $20,000 to that building program and we still owed quite a bit. We were somewhere around 350000 left on the building. And, and he said, but he said, I want to do this. He said, I want you guys to call me when you get to 20000 and that's what you owe on it. And he said, I'm going to pay the thing off. And we begged him, don't give us money with strings attached to it. We're not, that's not what we're about. If you've got 20000 that God's given you to give to this church, you just give it now. Don't worry you know, we tried to argue, you know, you can actually save the church money if you would give it now. He didn't want to be part of the solution to paying off the debt. He wanted to be the one that everybody looked at and go, well, hey, Mr. Jim gave, gave the last 20000 We, Good job, Mr. Jim. If we start giving so that people look at us and go, well, well done, we're giving for the wrong reasons. We're giving for the wrong reasons. We don't give so that people look at us and they're impressed by our ability we give because we want to be sacrificial. Sacrificial giving honors Christ even if the amount is small. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Jeff, I just don't have it. You're, you know, you're, you're wanting us to give and I give faithfully and I'm, I'm giving my best. Then keep giving your best. I'm not asking you to, to, to bankrupt your house because you give to the church. I'm asking you to give sacrificially. And I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your efforts. I'm talking about your spiritual gifts. I'm saying give wholeheartedly and give sacrificially so that you may be a useful vessel for the kingdom. Do you know there are tons of people around us not going to church at all? There are tons of people around our church building. Within three miles of our church building, there are thousands of unchurched, unevangelized people. We no longer have to get on an airplane and go to Guatemala to see lost people. You can go to Winn-Dixie. You can go to Munoz. You can swing by Little Caesars on your way home from church today. You find lost people everywhere. We've lost our intentionality for being thankful enough to tell somebody about Jesus. When was the last time you were so caught up in God saving you that you had to tell somebody about it? When was the last time that, that the Spirit welled up inside of you in such a way that it, you had to verbally communicate what God was doing? 
When was the last time you were so thankful that you were not, you were not lost, that, that you were saved, and you, you, the blind had come to sight, the death had come to life, that you shared that with your friends? We, we are full of blessings that the Lord has given us. You realize today, if you drove in a car on the way to church, and I, don't, I didn't see any bicycles out front, if you drove in a car today, you're among the richest people in all the world. Among the richest people in all the world. I'm not talking about, maybe not the state of Alabama, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about you're, you're among the richest people in all the world because you own an automobile. Most of us own a couple. Some of you own several, right? You're among the richest people in all of the world. God has blessed you. Many of you have nice clothes to put on. Many of you get home and you're not going to fear about where am I going to eat. You know, you go to the fridge and pff, there it is. You're going to stop by and hit a restaurant on the way home and pay cash. God's blessed you. He's gifted you. Even if you don't have what the Joneses have, God has met your needs. You may not have everything brand new or name brand, but God has provided. What's the last time you were thankful for what you had? said, God wants us... God wants us to be sacrificial givers, even if the amount is small. Listen, comfortable giving honors no one, even if the amount is small, or even if the amount is large. Comfortable giving, it doesn't honor anyone. God doesn't look at you and say, well, you're honorable because, because you gave, you, you tipped me. You threw a 10 in and, and you think you're good. Comfortable giving honors no one. You're not pleasing the Lord because you're, you're not being faithful to the Lord. You're not, you're not pleasing yourself because you're cheapening yourself. Remember what Malachi 3 tells us. When we think about giving, the Lord says, test me in these things. Few times in all of Scripture does God say, test me here. But the Lord says, test me here. And he says, you start giving faithful. You bring your 10% to the storehouse. Malachi tells us that if you test God in this, that God will open the windows of heaven. Open the windows of heaven, and he's going to pour out blessings on you. Now, you may have to give sacrificially, not knowing how you're going to eat again. Love the story that Tony was telling. You may, you may not know where that next meal is going to come from, my friend, but God's faithful. God's faithful. God's never let you go without, without having a plan to get you some. He's always, always faithful. It may not be what you wanted, because even the people walking through the desert. They got tired of the manna. God was providing food. It may not be, you may not be eating filet mignon, but God's a provider. God's a provider. So many times in my life, so many times in our marriage, we have always said we're going to be faithful tithers. We've always said it. We, 10% off the gross, that's how we tithe. We've always established that in our marriage. That's the first thing we do every time we get paid. That's, that's the first one that comes out. And we've had months, I'm, I'm just being clear, we're in church today. We've had months where we, we've had that thought, you know what? That tithe money would pay that bill. I know it's sinful. I know it's sinful. Maybe you've thought it too. You know, if, if we didn't give so much to church this month, we could, we could pay all that bill. And we wouldn't have to pay them next month and we just... We'd just be dumb with it. That's Satan talking. 
That's, a, that's Satan talking to you right there. He, he's, he's, if we can cheapen the church, if we can, if we can cripple the church, then we're not going to be as effective. God's called you to be faithful. I remember the, the one time that, that I had this magical miracle of the Lord moment. I had, had to go to the emergency room. We had just gotten married. And, and I may have told you this story in a tithing sermon. If so, act like it's brand new to you. Um, I had to go to the emergency room, had a bill. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't, it wasn't like that astronomical thousands of dollars. But it didn't matter. If it was 50 bucks, we couldn't pay it. And we were that. We were newlyweds. We hadn't been married three or four months. And Katie was in school. I was working three jobs trying to, trying to get her out of school so that she could start getting paid because we thought that was important. Bill comes in and she looks at me and, Jeff, how, how are we going to pay this? Maybe I have no clue. I have no clue we didn't have the money. I was prideful. I didn't, didn't want to call my parents. I didn't want to do that. I thought, well, I can get some extra hours and you know, we can pay a couple of payments on this over the next couple of months and we can get it paid off. But what we did, we, we just prayed. Lord, we don't know how to pay this bill. We don't have the money. That was a Wednesday afternoon. Went to church Wednesday night. I was a youth pastor there and I, I went to youth and I, we had a great youth service and we had staff meeting afterwards after church on Wednesday night. and So I went to my office to put my, my Bible and stuff in, in my, on my desk and there was an envelope sitting on my keyboard of my computer and it just had my name on it. Didn't know what it was. We had told no one. The bill came in that morning. We had told no one that we owed money we couldn't pay. No one. We hadn't told our neighbors, hadn't told our friends, hadn't told our parents. No one knew past Katie and I the amount of money we owed to the doctor's office to pay for this bill. And I opened up the envelope. And it was cash. It was the exact amount of money that we owed to the doctor. You say, well, how, how did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. This was the day before closed circuit television. I, I, we, we had no cameras. I don't, I don't know. I do know. God was faithful. We never wavered. We never said we're going to put tithe money on it. We just kept being faithful to the Lord. We kept tithing even when it was uncomfortable, even when that money would have helped us somewhere else. We kept being faithful because God's told us, you be faithful, test me here. And I'll open up the windows of heaven. Comfortable giving has never honored anyone, not you and not the Lord. And let me tell you, comfortable serving has never honored anyone either. If you approach your church service, listen, we want people to serve our church and we want people to serve externally to our church as well. If you're not serving, you're, you're one of our 80% not doing anything, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice. Not only are you not aiding your church for the ministry of the gospel, but you're not building yourself up spiritually either. There's something about serving that's unique. It's the only thing I know that you can spend so much time doing and yet God refills you and re-energizes you through the process. You ask your Sunday school teacher. They're just as busy as you are. How they find time to, to study and prep and, and how they, they stay energized for what they're doing they'll tell you that they get more out of their study preparing for Sunday school than they could ever communicate to you in 40 minutes. Because the Lord speaks. 
When you become faithful, the Lord will give you more than you ever thought you had. He gives you more energy than you ever thought you had. I remember uh, in student ministry, we would have these things that Satan created called lock-ins. And you'd, you'd be awake for, for days. And I, I remember not having enough energy to, to put the key in the door at home to unlock it, to get in after those things. But the Lord provided all of the energy necessary. He's never left me without. I've never been completely empty. There's been times where in my sinfulness I've neglected the Lord, but he's never neglected me. Daniel Aiken came up with a list of things that God wants to do with us when we become thankful in our giving and in our service. He says that God wants us to grow spiritually by growing in our faith. When you give sacrificially, you're saying, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm in trouble. Lord, if you don't do what you said you're going to do, I'm in trouble. Comes from Luke 6, 38. God wants to finance his earthly ministry through us for his glory and for your good. Malachi 3, 10. God wants to unite Christians who have needs with those who have surplus. 2 Corinthians 8. God wants to clearly reveal his infinite Power. We find that Deuteronomy 8.18. God will display, I promise you, I promise you, when you get faithful to the Lord, you're going to see the surplus of his power. You're going to see him show up when you thought, there's no way, we're done. They're coming to get the house. They're coming to get the dogs. Coming to get the whole thing. There's no way, we're, we're done. We're bankrupt. God will show you his power. It may be through his saints. It may be through his saints. Somebody drops money that you didn't ask for, you didn't know was coming, God shows up. It may be through the church. You didn't know that the church was, was loving on you in the background and they knew this need was there and they were going to meet it. It may be that, that God sends you some tax refund you didn't know you were getting. Listen, he's not sending the lottery, okay? Okay, he, he's not. God's never said do something sinful and I'm going I'm to bless you. Never. That's not how he works. Stop thinking there. He will use his people and his church to do it, but not the state-funded lottery. That's free. I wouldn't even in my notes. God wants to help give direction to your lives. I find people, when they come to me, Jeff, we're having financial troubles, and I rarely just hand money and just say, go on. I want to know, how can we help you? How can we help you? You teach a man... You give a man fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. How can we help you? How can we help you be better stewards of your money? How can we help you get out of debt so that you're not, you're not constantly shackled, because that's what debt does, shackled by this? How can we give direction to your life to make you a, a better, effective saint for the kingdom? And lastly, according to Daniel Aiken, things that God wants to do to teach us about the overflow that we have in thanks, thanksgiving and thankfulness is he's going to fulfill his promise and supply our needs. God's never said, give to me and I'm going to leave you hungry. God's never said, be faithful to me and I'm going to leave you stranded. But he says, when you get sold out, you become a thankful giver. You don't hate seeing that plate come around. You don't hate giving above. You, you, we have our tithe. You don't hate offerings. You love it. There are opportunities for you to give. In fact, today, you get to give money on your way out to further the kingdom through what the Griffith family is doing. They're going all over North America sharing the gospel 
with, of Jesus Christ with the nations that they come in contact with. Every time that wheel rotates on their car, it costs money. Every time. I've yet to see a gas station giving away free gas. I've yet to see the old change, tire change people ever say, come on and it's free. It all costs money. They have to live, they have houses, they have kids, and kids are expensive, you know. When we become thankful, and we have a thankful heart, and we give faithfully to the Lord, God is faithful and He will provide. He will provide and supply for all of your needs. Are you trusting the Lord this morning? Are you trusting the Lord? Are you a faithful giver? Are you a cheerful giver? Are you a thankful giver? Are you using your thankfulness to serve the Lord? God's called us to be co-heirs and co-ministers in this ministry of reconciliation. He's invited you. He said, I want you in. You're on my end team. I want you in. Today, are you in? Let's pray. God, thank you for our day. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that a thankful heart prepares the way for ministry. It prepares the way for us to see the work of your kingdom and your glory. God, we pray. Father, I pray over the people you have in this place today. Lord, that we would become cheerful and thankful givers. Not only to the church, and we would give well for the ministry of the church, but Father, we would give well to others. Whether it was our money, it was our time, our energy, our efforts, that we would be faithful in giving of ourselves to see people transformed by Jesus. God, I pray if anyone here today is, is saying, God, I'm unable because I'm not a believer. I can't, I can't faithfully do that because I'm not, I'm not sold out to Christ. God, allow them to come and hear the good news of Jesus. God, for those who need to minister and partner with our church today, God, I pray you'd give them the grace to do that. Lord, I ask in this time of invitation that you display your glory, your power. And we ask it all in the name of Christ. Amen.